how it is that um, uh, some of these ladies within the Word of God um, had this, uh, this God-bent heart toward Him. So, but before we do, um, <clears throat> number one, um, the women's tea yesterday was absolutely over the top. Um, you guys crushed it, right? <laughs> the Lord uh, said, I don't know, just... Uh, it was such a blessed time. I, I've heard like just everyone coming back, the feedback. How many of you were there? We're here. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's like that times, I don't know what, because we have like 85 women here. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a great time. Um, just want to praise God for all the work that he did yesterday and he will continue to do through the message that Brenda Leavenworth brought, and, um, and just what a, what a blessing it is uh, when, you know, just things happen in such a way. I know that this is, I was telling Ted, which is uh, Brenda's um, husband, and uh, he's a pastor of Reliance in Temecula, that uh, outside of maybe Christmas, um, I think this is, uh, this is the largest event we have. It's got like so much goes into it, right? It's like all of these little details. Um, for those of you who are here, you saw like the whole background. Uh, by the way, Randy, I just want to thank you. I know all the, the, the ladies thank you as well. Um, Randy um, and his team do so much for the church. And I know that he just pours his heart into um, everything that he does. And even the backdrop there, I mean, we have people... Um, texting and saying, I need one of those backdrops. It's like, they're, they're not for sale. We're, we're not mass producing them here. Refuge, we're going we're gonna to shift gears. Um, we're going to set up an administrative side and then a sales department, and then we'll go into... Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. That may be good, huh? So, um, so, so just wanted to thank Randy just so much as far as um, yesterday was concerned uh, that took place. That was just absolutely over the top. Um, so do you want to mention that? Uh, we are leaving for Haiti tonight. Um, it's tonight. It was like tomorrow morning, but might as well just call it tonight, right, Randy? Yeah, there's six of us that are going to Haiti, and we're leaving at 2.30 in the morning, so it's tonight, right? <laughs> it's just if you could pray for us. Um, that would be wonderful. Uh, we'll be leaving uh, tonight and coming back on the 25th. Uh, we'll be leaving from LAX, going to Fort Lauderdale, spending the night, and then um, going off to Haiti on Tuesday morning um, and spending um, some time over there, coming back on the 24th into Fort Lauderdale, spending the night, and then flying back into LAX on the 25th. Um, we will be building. So it'll be like a whole roof that we're building for this one home and who knows what else uh, because um, you know when, when you're walking with the Lord it's it's dynamic right it's not static um, that's why it's exciting to you know Christianity is is something that's always moving and we're growing in the Lord that first song um, that we sung just kind of like took me there where where uh, where you go I'll go right and um, so that's what we're doing but of course the highlight today is uh, is the Lord. Um, and with that, though we have this blessing, these blessings that the Lord has given us, and uh, they, they come in the forms of uh, these beautiful women 
um, who not only are these people that give us life, but also nurture us and bring us up. And so this morning, I want to recognize mothers, um, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, and, and we want to pray for you, okay? So if you could please stand up, all moms, that'd be wonderful. And what we want to do is we want to pray for them, all right? So, um, husbands, you can lay your hand on your wife, and uh, we'll pray. All right, Father, we are so thankful for each and every one of our mothers. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, that you would pour your spirit out upon them, Father, that they would keep their eyes fixed on you, that as they pour out their heart to us, that it may simply be an overflow of what you've poured into them. Lord, we thank you for those mothers that are standing before us. Lord, I pray that you would anoint them. Lord, that you would empower them, that you would strengthen them. And Lord, that they would walk according to the Spirit. Lord, that they would be students of your word, that they would be diligent to every day spend that time kneeling at your feet, sitting at your feet and just uh, taking in, Lord, your word and Lord, give them understanding. And I pray, Lord, that they would, they would continue to be used by you in beautiful ways. And so, Father, we thank you for them. I thank you for my mom. And thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with her this week. I pray, Lord, a blessing upon her and my wife and all the the mom's here. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, so a God-bent heart. That's what we see here. Um, like I said, in just different areas of Scripture we're going to be looking over. But as I was going through, I remember this one story. Um, I had told this story before um, of a little girl, a little girl that had gotten in trouble, actually. Um, not that I have this little granddaughter, and she just doesn't get in trouble. <laughs> but our own kids, they get in trouble, right? There's this one little girl; she got in trouble, and apparently the the family was all getting together for uh, for dinner, and um, so she was like at her own table, and uh, she was eating by herself for a little girl, right? And the family is all over here, and uh, so they were all minding their own business, and and just, of course, ignoring the little girl, their daughter, until she started praying. She prayed out loud. She said, I thank thee, Lord, for preparing a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, so our, our granddaughter, her name's Audrey. And uh, it's just the things that come out of their mouths, right? And so she was asking her mom, uh, they were in the car, and she was asking her mom for Starbucks. Do you know how old she is? Oh, is she two? She's not even, yeah, okay, so two. That'd leave it to grandpa, right? 
so she's two, right? So she's asking, and her mom's saying, no, no, we're not. Well, call your, call your dad, right? Dad gets called, and she says, but I need my Starbucks. That's what she's telling him. <laughs> but I need Starbucks. I need my Starbucks. Like, like what, what have you been giving her, right? And what does dad say? Yeah, sure, honey. Go ahead. You can have your Starbucks. Just, have, just tell your mom. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said this, quote, No man is poor who has had a godly mother. Indeed. Indeed. No man is poor that has had a godly mother. Um, the word that always comes up as far as moms are concerned, concerned is the word compassionate. Compassionate is uh, synonymous with, with moms. Sympathetic pity and a concern for our sufferings, our misfortunes. And um, sometimes we need to reverse that compassion to them. As, uh, I, know, I know a lot of people needed compassion for my mom uh, raising us up. But, but that's what they are. They are compassionate. They are sympathetic towards others. And this Hebrew root word for compassion is rak, rakam, which is associated with rakem, which means womb. I thought that was really interesting. Interesting. This speaks of tender feelings of mercy associated with the womb and is directly related to the maternal instincts of a mother for her children from her womb. Or the kind of feelings one has for that which is completely helpless. And there is no one who knows compassion as it pertains to the helpless and dependent than a mother who has cared for their baby who came from the womb, their womb. There's no one. Motherhood itself is an expression of compassion. Well, in this feeling of compassion that a mother has been given by the Lord, by design, for her children... It leads to tending to the child's needs. And there's an inclination that God has built into mothers to build a child up to not be helpless, to rather be independent at some point. There's the care in the womb, but then there's the progression of giving birth and caring out of the womb and helping the child grow and mature and become independent, having learned through compassionate care and deliberate teaching. Deliberate teaching. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And of course, the question is, how do we do that? And by the way, I know, I know that many people, they just say the same thing that they hear. And how many of you... Of you would well, I won't embarrass you, but think about this. How many of you would say uh, parenthood, being a mother or a father, did not come with an owner's manual? I'm raising my hand, but at the same time, it's right here. It's right here. You have questions about being a mother, being a father. It's right here. Otherwise, we wouldn't have Proverbs 22.6. Think about that, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't have Proverbs 31. 
We wouldn't have people that are uh, noted throughout Scripture. Here it is, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Now, listen, the, the details of being a parent, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that's like, well, I, that's not covered here exactly. No, but in general it is, right? But man, there's some things. All of you, how many of you are parents here? All right. I'll be praying for all of you. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Listen to this. And, and I have, I forever have this tab in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So they need to be on your heart first. You shall then teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you arise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's how. You need to be familiar with the Word of God so that you can impart that to your children. That's how you should train them up, according to Proverbs 22.6. Sometimes we impart our, wisdom, or our experience without any true wisdom. And I say that to our own detriment. You see, experience doesn't necessarily equate to wisdom. Sometimes in our experience, we actually illustrate that which is a failure and not necessarily wisdom. If you want wisdom, as it says in James chapter 1, ask God and He will give it to you. If you ask without doubting, He will give it to you. He is faithful in doing so. Now, what this produces as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a person who has a God-bent heart from which God receives praise and glory. Our purpose here on earth is is to give praise and glory to God, to honor Him. This is a person who is inclined to bless God, a God-bent heart, thinking more of Him than anyone else. We have other people in the Bible that we can look to, but there are people like Jockbed. Who's Jockbed? You remember Moses? His mom. We have people like Hannah. Who's Hannah? Well, she's the mother of Samuel, the prophet. Who is Lewis and Eunice? The grandmother and mother of Timothy. And who is Elizabeth? Is the mother of John the Baptist. And of course, who's Mary? The mother of Jesus. I want to take a, a glimpse at um, these ladies and how it is that they had this God-bent heart beating in their chest, that everything about them was pointing toward the Lord. And in so doing, they were pointing their children toward the Lord. And in so doing, they were impacting a multitude of other people, of which includes you and I today, this morning. We're encouraged this morning. We're stirred up by the very lives of the people that we're going to learn about this morning. Turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. In Exodus chapter 2, we have the life of Jochbed. This is the beginning of Moses here. 
in the book of Exodus. And I, I want to go through just a, a few verses here, beginning in verse 1. So Exodus chapter 2, second book of the Old Testament, and we're going through verses 1 through 10. All right, so now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took, him, uh, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. This was Miriam. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. While her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, this story is absolutely amazing to me. Moses was born to Jochebed while the Israelites were under bondage in Egypt, under Pharaoh. For 400 plus years, 430 years, they were under the leadership, or not just the leadership, but under slavery, bondage of Pharaoh. But the Israelites continued to grow in number. And this, at the, at the very beginning, wasn't a threat to Egypt, but soon thereafter, especially after 400 years, were a great threat to Egypt. And this new king who came into power thought that perhaps he needed to do something. First, the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, making them work extremely hard, ruthlessly hard, but the Israelites continued to multiply. The next thing that the king of Egypt did was order that the Hebrew midwives killed the male children that were born to them. But they feared the Lord, and they wouldn't do it. Finally, the king of Egypt ordered all of his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the, into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live, according to Exodus one twenty two. So that's what he did in progression, or digression, you could say. Even in the midst of persecution and oppression, Jochebed married and had a child. It made me think about how sometimes we have these conversations, and, and we wonder, we look at the... the the world in which we live in. And sometimes we fear for our children. We even say what others say. The way the world is today, I'd hate to bring any child into it. Um, that's not what Moses or what Jock Bed 
And her husband said, they had more children. In fact, the Israelites didn't say that. They were in captivity. They kept multiplying. They kept teaching them God's word. What we need in this world, actually, are more people who fear the Lord. That the light would overwhelm darkness. Here we see, in this story before us, Moses' parents who continued to have children. In fact, we know that Miriam was following Moses along the river. There's a, a sibling there. We know Aaron was there, and at first he was a, uh, the mouthpiece for Moses. You remember that uh, when they came and they were uh, going to, or Moses came back and he was going to deliver uh, the Israelites out of Egyptian uh, slavery. Um, he was making all kinds of excuses, right? It's so we have Aaron, we have Miriam. They were still having children. They were still multiplying. And I love that because they weren't fearful, but they were filled with, with faith. Now, knowingly endangering herself and her son, Jochbed hid Moses for three months from the authorities, caring for him and loving on him. Knowing that her son could possibly drown in the Nile, she wasn't sure, or be found and killed by an Egyptian. She somehow trusted that God would care for Moses, and she exercised faith, allowing that allowed her to let him go. Now Moses, again, his parents did not hide Moses for three months and then let him go out of fear, but because they were people of faith. Hebrews 11.23 says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. In Moses, we know, it, it was beautiful, right? So Miriam is there following. Here comes Pharaoh's daughter coming down to bathe at the river. Um, sees this little basket drifting along. The uh, Pharaoh's daughter calls to one of her servants. Can you go... Get that for me. Brings it back. Here's Moses in there. This must be one of the Hebrews' children. And then takes it in. Here comes Miriam. Hey, do you want me to go get a nurse for you <laughs> to take care of that little baby? Yeah, you know what? Go, go get a nurse. Hey, Mom, Moses needs someone to take care of him. Is this not God-ordained? This is absolutely amazing, right? Comes back. I have someone for you. Yeah, really? <laughs> Already? Yeah, she can nurse him and everything, and he'll be fine. Okay, go ahead. Here's Moses. Take him, raise him. Mom, here's Moses, and here's like a month's salary for taking care of him. The rest will be taken care of. So I get my child back. I get a salary. Uh, amazing how God does things, right? A beautiful story here. We're going to talk about how this all works out, though. But we're going to go through a few other of these wonderful women here in the Bible. Let's talk about Hannah. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we have the story... of this one gentleman named Elkanah. He's a, 
He's a man who had two wives, uh, Penina, uh, and the other one was Hannah. Hannah was barren, had no children, and um, she would be mocked by the other one. And um, being barren was something shameful, something that uh, the community would look down at, um, perhaps even uh, a judgment of God in some way, shape, or form. So it, it was obviously something that brought a lot of anguish to the heart of Hannah. And in verse 9, we pick, pick up, And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost, of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth and it was speaking in her heart only. Uh, her heart only, her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. In verse 19, They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him for, from the Lord. Again, this is another story to where a woman who was filled with faith, but her spirit was vexed. She was in distress. She was barren. She had no child. But what we need to understand is, is she, didn't, she didn't pull back. She didn't hold anger toward the Lord. Instead, this woman went to the Lord and poured her heart out to the Lord. And in verse 17, it's wonderful because when she heard these words, from the priest, Eli, answering her, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made in him. And her response to him is awesome. She realized this perhaps is a word from the Lord. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. There was nothing that she hadn't even known her husband at that time. She went away believing. Well, that was just pure faith. That's, that's what that was. It was this faith that continued on in her son Samuel, and she fulfilled what she had vowed to the Lord to do. 
that he, when he was weaned, when he was brought up in the Lord, was brought, brought back to him, and she fulfilled that promise. Verse 26, And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Now, this is Elkanah's. They're bringing him back. He's all yours. Young Samuel. We've raised him in the ways of the Lord. We've taught him to fear the Lord. We've prepared him for this very thing. And Samuel was handed over to serve the Lord. All the days of his lives, his life. I know that John wrote, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I am sincere, I am genuine when I tell you that I, I don't care what my kids do as long as they're walking with the Lord. It doesn't matter to me. As long as they're walking with the Lord, they're serving Him all the days of their lives. It really doesn't matter. And I know that for us, in, in our world, in our society, we give value to, to different people and different lines of work. And the Lord looks at every single one of us and sees us the same. It doesn't matter if you have a scalpel in your hand or a broom. You're all equally valuable to Him. Every single one of you God sent His Son to die on the cross for you. They say that it's level at the foot of the cross. There's no levels there. Everyone is equal. And Hannah made this promise and she made good on it. Hannah brought up Samuel in the fear of the Lord, teaching him the things of God and teaching him to serve God. And no doubt that her husband did the very same thing right along with her. Let's look at Lois and, and Eunice. We're looking at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now, this is the Apostle Paul's protege. This was a young man that was brought under uh, Paul's wing. He poured his heart into him. Paul knew his grandmother and mother. And as he wrote this letter, he said in verse 5 this. In fact, I'm going to back up into verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. He was a, a beloved son of Paul. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I mean, can you imagine that this, this relationship that Paul and Timothy enjoyed was one that, that filled the Apostle Paul like a father with great joy. Your tears are my tears. Your anguish is my anguish. But I remember you and I pray for you every day, night and day. I pray for you. And I'm reminded of you. And I'm filled with joy. 
at the thought of you. And verse, verse 5 says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure, I am certain, dwells in you as well. He goes on to tell him, fan into flame, fan into flame, that which is a gift of God in you. Fan into flame, encouraging him to stir him, stirring him up to good works. Don't, don't hold back your hand. Keep moving forward. Don't give in to fear. Be strong in your faith in God. But this didn't come by chance. This was deliberate. See, there was these two beautiful ladies, Lois and Eunice, who were deliberate in pouring into young Timothy, raising him up in the ways of the Lord, teaching him scripture. And you, didn't think, you don't think that that gift of God was not fanned by those two ladies? They absolutely were. These two sincere, godly, faithful women And it was not a liberal false faith who believes in a deity and allows liberty to be given to a child to choose as he sees fit a religion of choice when he comes into adulthood. No, he was taught the true faith. We do our children no justice as we raise them up and we say, hey, you know what, to each his own. You know, all, re, all uh, roads lead to, to God, and so, you know, you pick your own. They're all beautiful religions. You know what? I remember hearing that a lot growing up. And we would say that in school. As, as we would say it back and forth. It's like, yeah, like all, all roads lead there, right? I appreciate yours, you appreciate mine, and let's go. Until I started to realize and understood that it was true. All roads do lead to God. But there's only one way to the Father in no eternal life with Him, in no salvation. That's the difference. See, everyone's going to come before the Lord and they're going to face Him on the day of judgment. So what I'm saying by all roads lead to God is that. There's none that's going to escape the judgment of God. Each and every one of us are going to come and have to account for what we did with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the only way. All other ways lead to destruction and eternal separation from the Father. So, when you come to realize that, when you come to know that, when you come to understand that, we're faced with a moment of decision. We need to decide. Even Peter, when he was preaching to the multitudes on the day of Pentecost, came to a point to where he asked for a decision to be made. And one must be made. This is the true faith that Lois and Eunice were speaking into young Timothy. 
They were speaking of the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, the creator of the universe, the one and only saving God. Timothy was taught God's word by two generations of women who loved God. Can you imagine if more poured into each and every one of us, our children? What a beautiful picture that is. How beautiful it is. It was a faith lived out and taught, a faith known and shared with their grandson and son, Timothy. Let's look at Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. Let's look at verse 39 here. So Luke chapter 1, verse 39. It's very encouraging. When we look at these, the lives of these, of these people in the, in the Bible, and we begin to realize that it's, it's a deliberate action that we take, to pour into our children that makes a great impact it's encouraging because it gives us a way in which we ought to be with our kids you know there's no justification there's no excuse for doing anything less than that and we do that but it's all there in luke chapter 1 verse 39 says, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It's awesome. So here's Mary. Here's Elizabeth. They got this word from the Lord. This is who you're carrying. Zechariah, well, he was serving as a priest in the temple. He was at the time selected to go in and burn incense. And while he was doing that, uh, Gabriel came, visited him, and um, had a word with him. But because of his unbelief, he was, he was made mute. He was made mute for a while until John was born. It was at that, por- that point that they asked him, well, well what, what are you going to call him? John. <laughs> John is his name. John. Your name's not John, though. That, that can't be Junior. No, his name's John, okay? Just let's go with that. Elizabeth and Mary knew exactly what was going on. I mean, this conversation takes place. And Elizabeth was acknowledging the one whom Mary was carrying in the womb as her Lord. From the very beginning, she knew exactly who was in the womb. Elizabeth knew that this was a miracle as far as her conception was concerned. She was of old age. She was barren. That means that she was unable to have children. And yet it was something that the Lord did in her life. 
Elizabeth believed and it was fulfilled, fulfilled by what she had heard from the Lord. And in verse 6 it says, And they were both righteous before the Lord, her husband and her, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So here's these two, mother and father, who are righteous. They walk in the ways of the Lord, and they no doubt are fulfilling Deuteronomy chapter 6 in teaching young John the Baptist all the ways of the Lord, to fear God. They were pouring into him. That's what they were doing. Because regardless of their circumstances, they may have not been under Egyptian rule. There may have not been anything else going on. They were serving the Lord. They were very busy. She was barren, but she was filled with faith. And regardless of their circumstances, they were faithful to bless and serve the Lord. They didn't hold back and go into doing something else. They just continued to serve the Lord. Sometimes we... And I'll tell you this, and you guys know I'm right. Sometimes when we don't get our way, we abandon the Lord, although He never abandons us. We abandon the Lord and go our own way. Oh, fine, you're not going to give me, and this is, this is the, the, our hearts. You're not going to give me what I thought I should have received? Well, I'm going to go pour myself into something else. And although you may come and pay him a token visit every now and then by stepping into church, you're actually in rebellion. And you know I'm right. Why? Because I've done that myself. We do that. Again, we look at these people and we look at a person like Elizabeth. She was barren. She didn't have any children. Her husband, go. Go and keep serving the Lord. And then we have this child come about and they raise him in the ways of the Lord to serve the Lord, teaching their child to fear the Lord and to serve him all of his days. And finally, Mary. Same chapter. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin, virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold... Your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a, a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
Sounds familiar, right? Sounds like the uh, same responses Elizabeth gave. Hannah gave. So be it. In other words, I believe. I, I believe. I trust that what has been spoken to me is true. Mary didn't question. She didn't say, you know, if there's, there's nothing like that, but only she said, how? How can this be? You know, that's, that's all she has. She didn't say, you know, kind of laughing or anything. She just said, how, how can this be? I'm a virgin, so how can this be? Mary regarded herself as a servant of the Lord and submitted to the word of God in verse 38. That's what she did. And do you know what Mary's last recorded words are? This is great. Mary was great. She is. She is to be honored as the mother of Jesus. Definitely. But these were her last words. In John chapter 2, verse 5, if you're taking notes, jot that down. John chapter 2, verse 5. These were her last words recorded. Recorded. This was the wedding at Cana. You know, when that moment when Jesus turned water into wine. She called the servants together. She called her son. Oh, we're running out of wine. You know, we have no wine. What does that have to do with me, woman? You guys know. He said his time has not had not come, but his mother knew who he was. And she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. If you look at how it was that she praised the Lord in verses 40, or um, uh, let's see, was it in John? Where she praises the Lord. You see how it is that she's praising God. It, It wasn't anything for her. It was all for him. She knew that this was who the Lord said he was. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior of the world. That's who he was. That's who he is today. You see, all of these mothers that had one, they had one thing in common, that is that they exercised faith, each and every one of them. Jockbed, Hannah, Lois and Eunice. We have Elizabeth, we have Mary, all of them exercised faith which is a lesson for each and every one of us. And in this, what came about was this legacy that they left in their wake. It's a beautiful wake that they left behind them. And it continues to grow. You know, a wake, you know, it comes out narrow behind a boat, but it just the waves keep going. And they, te- they touch all kinds of shores that the boat has no idea that wake is touching but that little boat is creating a huge wake behind him. The ripples are felt even to today. They had these God-bent hearts. The kids did. They came from God-bent hearts. You have a God-bent heart. Oh, what, what comes from that? I don't think you can even think or imagine. You may see a glimpse of it here and there but you have no idea the impact that you're leaving behind you. The legacy is not yours, but it's God's as he's done it through you. It's his. It's for his glory. 
Moses was a son who was chosen by God to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt and lead and led them for 40 years, being the instrument by which God gave the children of Israel the law and prepared Joshua to succeed him and lead the people into the promised land. Samuel. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. He was the last judge of Israel, leading them until the Israelites demanded a king for themselves like the rest of the nations of the world. And then Samuel was directed by God to anoint the first king, Saul, and then the second king, David. Timothy was a man used by God in the early church to prepare, organize, contend for, and build her up, the church itself, in sound doctrine, which is still today our mandate. In the hub city of the world, you could say, Ephesus, his influence in God's faith with God's people is still felt again today. John the Baptist was a man used by God to prepare the way for Jesus, who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in John 3.30, these famous words that need to resonate in our own hearts, John had it right when he said, He must increase and we must decrease. He started fading into the background as Jesus came to the forefront. That should be our anthem. That should be us as we move forward. This was a child of Elizabeth and Zechariah. They poured into him. John was the last Old Testament prophet and the first New Testament prophet. He was born to prepare the people to receive Jesus as the Christ, to introduce him to the world. This is the impact that these people had on these young men. And it's had an impact to today. These are God's inspired words. This is, these are God's, this is God's very breath given to us for our benefit, for our blessing to point back to Him. A God-bent heart. It reminds me of um, the story of Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith is the founder of Calvary Chapel. Um, he didn't realize it was going to be a movement. It turned into a movement, a beautiful movement. But this was a man who was brought up deliberately under the instruction of his mother in Scripture. In fact, he learned how to read by reading Scripture. And he memorized Scripture. This, is, this was all deliberate. Maud Smith was a woman who taught her son the Word of God, taught him to fear the Lord, and was used mightily by the, by the Lord. And we're still feeling that even today the impact of, of his life and how it served and serves as an encouragement for a lot of people, for a lot of people. But all lived and proclaimed one, just one. What I pray through this morning is, yes, we're honoring moms today. We absolutely love you. We adore you. And this is, this is my encouragement to you. We ask the Lord to continue to bless you, to make His face to shine upon you, to lead you and guide you, to lead you in all of His ways. Take that and pour into the children. Lead them in the ways of the Lord. Teach them to fear God. Whether you have children, grandchildren. If you don't have children, 
It's okay. You, you can still be that motherly person to someone. Don't take it lightly. There are many people who need, need you to pour into them. A niece or a nephew. Children's ministry. There's little kids that need godly leadership and godly teaching. And I encourage you to, do, to not take that lightly and point each and every person to the Lord. That's what they did. That's what we ought to do today. That's what we do here. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who lived to die, the one who bore all of your sins and mine, Jesus Christ, the one who loves you and desires that all should come to repentance. You see, God wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's His heart, to salvation, to live with Him, and ultimately be with Him for eternity. And if you don't know that relationship here this morning, know that, number one, your sin separates you from the Father. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We fall short of God's perfect standard. That's what that means. And our conscience bears witness of the fact that we do fall short. We know. No one had to tell me. When, when I came to the Lord and, and I was explaining the gospel, no one had to tell me. As soon as you said, yeah, you're, you've sinned against the Lord. Yes, I agree. But the answer is Jesus Christ. For God demonstrated his love toward us in the while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And here's the truth. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. This is something that, that God does with you personally in your seat. And your genuine faith comes out in what's explained in the Bible as, in, as being defined as being fruit, fruit of the Spirit which is love. That is the main fruit. And from that, you have all of these other things that come about that are explained in the Bible. But you are a whole new creature in Christ. There's this metamorphosis that takes place. It's like a butterfly that goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's like, what is that? You went in a worm and you came out (laughs) this, this beautiful butterfly. But it's a work that the Lord is doing in your life. I'm explaining this to you because it's not this template of coming to salvation in the Lord by doing step one, step two, step three, and all of that. There is this. There is confession of your sin. There is repentance from your sin. And there's also a cry of surrender to the Lord. That's what it involves. That's what salvation is. What must I do to be saved? Repent and believe. That's what Peter said. That's what the word tells us. That's what Jesus said. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent of your sin. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And if that's a true and genuine repentance and surrender to the Lord, then it will be brought forth in your life. At some point, you need to make a public proclamation and confession. There's no such thing as a closet Christian. No such thing. You live your, your life out loud, uh, out loud. Let your light so shine before others, your works, that they may see your good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. As we abide in Him, we are continually receiving from Him, him that which we need to walk in His ways and bless Him and glorify Him. 
And I pray that if you don't know salvation this morning, that you simply confess your sins to Him, you repent, and you ask Him to be your Lord and your Savior. Happy Mother's Day. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your love for us. We love because You first loved us. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your compassion, Your mercy. And I pray, Lord, that if there is anyone here who does not know You personally, intimately, that today would be the day of salvation, the day of surrender, the day in which their eyes are fixed on you and they finally understand that love that you so willingly and joyfully gave to us in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would bless this day. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the gatherings that are taking place at all kinds of different homes this morning and today, throughout the day, that you would be honored and our moms would be blessed. We thank you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.